Hi, K Rajan from Timespot on the beat here. Today we'll be going to talk about M League's uh, revamp announced by the Malaysian Football League last week. And for that, we our guest today, Stanley Burnett, a former player, a former commentator, and now he's a CEO with KL City FC. And this guy knows football in and out. So let's get his opinion on how things going to be different with MFL's uh, new restructuring of the M League. Well, firstly, thank you for having me, Rajan, and thank you for the kind introduction. Um, getting straight into it, I think uh, firstly we have to look at it from two different points. Uh, at least that's my opinion. Firstly, is a technical standpoint. I think the key here is we knew about the reports from FIFA. We're not having enough minutes in the league. I believe that that will add minutes to the players. Adding minutes to the players adds competitiveness. Um, and as everyone knows, we did something remarkable by qualifying for the Asian Cup. National Team Malaysia, well done. But I think key to that is to go to the tournament, not just to participate, but to put a really good team. So I think MFL clubs in the Super League will play a huge role as well. That's where the players spend 10 months of their football at least playing uh, to keep that level before they actually head to the Asian Cup. So I think the league will need more minutes. I think that is something that most people, including myself, have really been uh, given a thumbs up on the on the change. Uh, when you mention about technical and, and operational, uh, if we focus on technical, as you said, uh, more matches, more playing minutes, um, but do you think that uh, it would be a shock to the players suddenly to play more matches? Have all this while they have not used to be playing uh, 18 matches? Yeah, I think um, the national team players probably, uh, I'm just going back to probably the memories when I was called up and uh, that season, I think it was the longest season I've had because actually you don't really see uh, off-season because when you're supposed to have a break, you're actually in Suzuki Cup, um, the rest of the players gets the break. So I think the national players will be quite used to it because they don't really have much breaks. They really, really do play throughout the whole year. But largely those who don't play for the national team, maybe, yes, their, their, their breaks will be cut short a little bit. Um, I think the coaches will need to prepare the pre-season a little bit different to what usually is prepared because it's a longer league. Um, you know, I think everyone who is in the technical aspect will know that a strong preseason, you have a larger chance of not having as much injuries as someone who probably doesn't have a good preseason. So I think those aspects will go under the technical aspect, the coaches, the players. Um, of course, changes is never easy. So yes, it will be the trial and error year, I would believe. If, if you, we talk about more matches, like, like you said, uh, players have to adapt. At the same time, do you think the clubs uh, or planning part from the clubs uh, for a longer break, uh, for a longer season, uh, lesser breaks, would that result in uh, extra fatigue from the players? Yeah, I believe if, if, if it doesn't go to plan, um, pre-season is one of them. Maybe what they, uh, u- their usual practice during um, international breaks for players who don't get called up. Um, but we also have to go back to the other side. Whenever that there is a long um, break in between the league, this has been a debate between the fans for many years since my playing days until now, uh, responsible over a club. We probably have two or three pre-seasons in one season in Malaysian League due to um, various demands that has happened previously with national team coaches needing more time or, you know, for whatever reason, you know, international competition where clubs are playing in a regional competition and the league wants the club to do well, um, but the league takes a break. And that gives, you know, two to three weeks where coaches probably need to design another preseason. 
So are we, you know, um, putting, you know, A and B together? And I think it will be a year where we'll find out. Um, a lot of things will be fine-tuned. Um, as I said, changes are not easy, but I believe if we want to achieve something, which is more minutes, more games, I think that has already been achieved with the change. The rest, I think, will need to be worked out and fine-tuned as we go through the real experience of a, of a 2023 season. Okay, still on the technical part of these changes, this restructure, uh, what do you think see as the biggest obstacle for clubs to adapt? Depth. Okay. <laughs> I think um, what happens is, I think traditionally we do see some teams fall off the perch a little bit, purely because some teams are built on 12 or 13 players, some teams are built on 15 or 16 players, some built on 8, some built on 25, some built on 30 solid players. And this is where later, I believe you're heading there soon, it's the cost, cost bit, right? But staying on the technical aspect, I think depth is absolutely crucial. You're going to have injuries, you're going to have suspensions, you're going to have various kind of issues when you're asking someone to devote to such high-level elite performance for 10 months in a year. Um, but that's where also the under-23 plays a part, um, you know, or having enough bank of players coming through the ranks to replace players who are, you know, experienced in the Super League. So, having more matches, uh, well, as you said, it would open up spot for the players from under-23, President Pia and And looking back, do you think it's better now for these players to transition from the president for under-23, under, under Piala Belia. Is, is this a, a, a huge step or, or the gap with the senior team and, and the youth team, development team is a little bit uh, closer? I think that's a really good question, Rajan. Um, I think it, we're facing a very unique um, position at this current time in, in, in mankind. We face two years of probably non-existence of underage tournaments. So imagine this, that this year I'm facing the under-21 players. They've not played for two years of football and they're all waiting if they're going to make it Super League. And I, and I believe the entire ecosystem, a generation of two years lost football will never be replaced. And we're going to tell 95% of the players around the ecosystem that you're not going to make it to the Super League. You're going to go and work in a bank, you're going to go and work anywhere, but football career is practically done in a professional context. Maybe they might play M3, they might go play social football, but certainly not so bleak because that's, that's then them done. What we've done here, we've extended two years. A chance for that generation to continue two more years to again, you know, try to live their dreams of becoming professional footballers. I think that from a, from a, from a human value, that alone is, is good. But then we have to look at the professional value. I think two years more, you never know which players are going to extend their career because of that under-23. And it's not their fault. It's not a fault of their own that, that two years were years where we faced pandemic as, as, a, as, a, as the world faced pandemic. So I think that kind of fits in really nicely. We're giving them a prolong of two more years to, to why for a professional career. More minutes, um, closer to the Super League. It's all up to them in the next two years. So I think that is the part that to, to answer your question is the transition of the players. They have to look at this and say, you know, a, a, at some point, maybe four months ago, they thought, you know, maybe their chance is done. Now they've got that little lifeline. If I were them, I've been there before, I put everything behind to make it as a professional. And if I fail, I give my best. But for me, this is the transition that should happen. From club point of view, now 
um, more players to manage and especially these younger players uh, these they are not they are there or, or they are they are still uh, finding their way out how is going to be how their career is going to pan out uh, there's so much expectation and when youngsters and expectation uh, to fulfill that expectation usually uh, it's already a, a, a very uh, you already pushed to the edge so it's do or die kind of thing how much important for clubs uh, to communicate to the players especially these younger players to 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 keep them on board to keep them understand that uh, football is 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 a marathon it's it's not a, a sprint event so uh, to keep everyone on board everyone on the same page how crucial is communicating especially to this younger group of players the age group players i think it starts from the technical aspect okay if if you're setting up something of a structure where you've got four main teams okay um super league is given you're going to probably bring the best coach you can some foreign some local but the, the most elite coaches with pro diplomas are going to be there with probably vast experience so that's given the under 23 you you probably need to build a bridge that is almost seamless the identity the philosophy the the, the structure the 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 practices of the senior team falls upon because that's probably likely where most players are going to be coming through the ranks and then then you got 21 and 19s that's where i think the 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 part that you got to have your 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 technical team which is led by the technical director um with really good development coaches who are passionate about getting these players through the ranks their dream is i i think whenever a coach says what he wants is he wants his players to actually move up the ranks more than winning you probably already got the right kind of value in a coach so these are the things that cannot be done on a paper uh cannot be done through a, a laptop presentation uh nice and proper to be seen but the practices have to be real it has to be so when you said the word communicate absolutely it's physical got to be present got to be grinding on the pitch day in day out looking at players observing um you know knowing more than what they do on the pitch what's their life outside the pitch before you get an entire culture right um because that would be the most important ingredient you get the culture right then you start to get your philosophies right then you start to get your dna right um but if you look at the key bit here is recruitment the recruitment of the certain leaders in the certain aspects of uh the technical needs to be spot on okay moving on to the operational part uh, this is this is the part that uh, a lot of concern from the from the fans football fans in malaysia uh there's it's open up for a club to sign nine up to nine players uh, it, it you are not forced to but there's this perception that you must get these nine players to be competitive what do you think do you think we have to rely on on fulfilling this foreign player quota or it's just well i i only can measure from my very own experience last year um i'll take this experience we we tried to play with five foreigners last year we had dominic injured early on and then we signed another player called kiran enbuaze he got injured after 70 minutes we had no choice because we've done what we can from a management perspective you know having a chat with boyan burns it look that's what we got we've got to play with four so we converted romel into a striker we went on to win the malaysia cup not saying that can be a sustainable plan but you got to work within the limitations that you're put in so if you go with that mindset your limitations is say five foreigners six foreigners then you got to work around it you know so you don't have to really measure measure yourself with the rest yes uh, ideal world nine foreigners depth as we mentioned 
you know, uh, forecasting injuries, forecasting suspensions are really crucial. But if you can't, then why, why, why force yourself into an area where it's your first year, you're, you're, you're trying, to, trying to measure a lot of things that you don't know, unprecedented um, cost, how do you manage this many players? Then don't go into an area where you don't know unless you really want to try it out because you've got enough right people around you um, and financially you can actually try to bring yourself into that space. So I really think you've got to measure yourself. And we, like I said, KL can only measure themselves. We did it with four. I'm not saying it's a long-term plan, but at sometimes when you're put into a space where you've got limitations, you've got to work with it. So if you put yourself in that mindset from the start, this is what I've got to work with, then that's what you've got to do to see out the season. And and there's this perception, more matches promises more money. On paper, it's it's that how, how it works. is broadcast money and everything, exposure and everything. Uh, but there are still things for the club need to strive. Yes, getting more money, X amount of money, fixed X amount of money is, is good. But it's always be- the best to get as much as funding as possible. So do you think 18 matches, easier for you to go and approach uh, sponsors, uh, partners uh, in terms of commercially? Not easy. Um, yes, on paper, you're, you're, you're spot on when you say that because I was one of those who actually said that with more matches, you have potentially more opportunity to explain to sponsors you're being seen more, your exposure is higher, your numbers are higher, your ratings are higher. But as you're aware, Rajan, for many, many years, if you look at the broadcast ratings, um, per match ratings, you'd see numbers that no other sport sees in this country. You know, just across the Malaysia Cup final, across all various platforms, you might hit 6 million, 7 million out of 32 million people in this country. Nothing rates as high as football. But when you take those numbers, not many people can say they've translated that into real numbers. The rating numbers into real funds. Because there's always been that little broken bridge which needs to be fixed. And I think that's what needs to be done by all stakeholders. Clubs, MFL, FAM, all of us have to come together to see how can we, you know, get more numbers on ratings, eyeballs, exposure. But I think you're spot on when you say, is that that easy? Just because you got more more matches, you're going to get more money. No, it's not that easy because it's never been proven um, as, as, as what it has mentioned on paper. So it needs to be executed. But it's an opportunity. You, you, you cannot keep someone in a space where they're saying, you know, we've, we, we struggle as a system to get more matches, more minutes. And you and you don't allow that to go on, but you want more money, so you got to you you got to go with something first. You got to create an opportunity to have more minutes, more matches, and then let's work towards trying to get. So everyone has a responsibility here to make that more matches, more numbers into more money. As you said, uh, easier said than done. Summarizing, it's easier said than done. Uh, proper strategy needed. Do you think? Uh, that there is, the, like you mentioned, there's a gap to translate these numbers into actual numbers, actual dollar signs. Uh, do you think this is the right way forward? We are moving in the right way, but uh, the obstacles are there. Uh, the solution, who should come out with the solution? Well, number one, we need to see what is our biggest product. Um, where we look at solutions, number one, you got to see. Your biggest product is your footballers on the pitch. Um, let's go to the biggest brand in the world, English Premier League. By no chance I'm comparing. But I'm just saying, who actually really puts on a performance week in, week out? Why do fans around the world are colonized 
to watch English Premier League because nothing else except they want to watch the quality of those players on the pitch week in week out, right? So are we going to get top quality players overnight? No, we're not going to. But with more matches, more minutes, we are hoping that, you know, of course, with our culture, and again, the Premier League culture is a little bit different. England and the English Premier League probably can be disconnected. But with Malaysia, we can't run away. Malaysia national team does well. There's a euphoria. There's a, um, you know, there's a bit of an environment that is special towards the local league. It correlates. You cannot run away. That's our culture. So for me, I believe if we can do that over a, a period of time, two to three years, and then you don't even get the funds, then it's your fault. But first, you've got to build the product. The product is the players. They, they, they've got to be more... Comp- our, our minutes of entertainment in Malaysian football is really low at this point. I think I've, I've analysed this now. I'm watching it from a, from a club perspective, being responsible. I don't know, maybe we play 52, 52 good minutes Maximum some top matches 62. So what happens to 28 minutes of football over 90 minutes? Can we extend those minutes? And I believe it can be when the players are, you know, conditioning-wise, quality-wise are better. So that becomes more attractive for fans who are so, you know, into European football, starts to watch more Malaysian football. And then you try to translate. So I think over a span of maybe a year, two, three maximum, we need to monetize from it. Um, every stakeholder I'm trying to repeat this Every stakeholder You look at the Premier League When the brand is right English Premier League Brings a lot of funds To the clubs Broadcast money is massive But you don't expect That to happen overnight You expect that to Happen over A period of time Because you want The product to get better And better And the product You cannot run away From the product It's the players Okay um, Again Operational cost More matches uh, More cost obviously More travelling costs more teams, more flying in, flying out. Uh, do you think it would balance out with all the investment? Do you think to get the right return? We, we can't have all the team winning the Premier League, uh, the Super League. Nobody, not every other team going to be champion. So, uh, how much crucial it is to have the book balanced, to have your your accounts correct? Because end of the day, to get a good product, like you said on the pitch the part of the pitch, the management of the clubs, especially finance, is so much crucial. So how much do you think the, the clubs that that not going to win have to balance the expenditure? Um, again, I believe that if you measure yourself from the start, you know your limitations, know what you are, what you're aiming, be realistic, be realistic, be realistic. We have a tradition yeah, since I was playing. Uh, you, you, you get a guy from the minister's room taking a position... And then they come out, probably, you know, even as a media person, I, I was a media person, and I already know they're probably going to finish number six or number seven. But the first thing when, when, when a journalist puts a mic to this guy, he's responsible over what he says, I'm going to win a cup this year. And you know he's not going to win a cup. What kind of message are you sending, firstly, to your dressing room? Your dressing room looking, where's the, where's the quality that is needed to, to win that cup? You know, so... Again, this starts from very early on. You you got to set the right culture. You got to set the right targets. You got to be realistic. You got to measure your limitations. If you don't, then you're already starting on your wrong foot. And the end of the season, you can't blame anyone when you don't start to pay salaries. You got a broken dressing room. Every club has its own unique struggle. This ecosystem needs people who are progressive, who are positive, but most importantly, really be realistic 
and how hard this industry is when it comes to finding funds. Um, I walk through it daily. Various struggles. But the most important thing is keeping realism in everyone's mind. So for me, coming back to this, to, to this bit, I think what, what happens here is, is, again, I'm going back, it's a culture change. You, you, you got to measure yourself in a more realistic way. Get, get, get more understanding of what you have in your dressing room, what you have with your coaches, what kind of funds are you putting out. So I'm coming back to the costing side. If you look at it, from a player's contract perspective, you're actually getting more out of them. Because there is a standard guideline that, uh, and, and, and template that we need to follow FIFA. That's been set, right? It's governed. So now I'm paying a player from, say, December to November. Okay? Or just say calendar year, January to December. Instead of him playing 24 league matches, now he's playing 34 league matches. That's more efficiency. And if you ask the player, I mean, I used to play, you ask me training or match? I'm sure you've asked players, Rajan. Match, please. So there you go. I mean, you got an answer there from the player himself. So he wants to play more football matches. He's seen there's more validation. He can perform. He probably can earn more money out of it because he'll be seen more. He performs better. So there's efficiency over that because you're squeezing a little bit more and the product is seen more on the football pitch than in training grounds. Second, yes, there is more costing. Of course, you're going to travel more. Um, probably more bonuses, which is our culture. Um, and, and these are the two major things. But if you've got more home matches, then it's also your role to go and probably get more gate collection, get more jerseys sold, more merchandises sold. If you're doing 10 ringgit this year, you want to do 15 ringgit next year or be maybe more realistic with a fan base like KL, you might want to do 11 or 12 ringgit and you'll be proud of it. So this is what I call, you've got to put some realistic numbers around it and work around it. And, and you have mentioned this before, 18 teams in the league, top flight, we know there's only going to be three or four teams uh, going to fight for the title. Uh, there's no relegation immediately for the next season. Uh, so how do you see keeping all the teams involved in the fight? Don't really have an answer to that because I, I, I grew up watching Malaysian football since I was a kid. I still remember the old Emlik. They used to call it the Emlik. A really, really nice logo. But after 10 games, you start to see huge gaps. You know, the top six starts to disappear into their own league. And then you get the seven to maybe 12 in their own league. And then you get the 13 right up to 18. And then at one point, we play with a 14-man league as well. And the gaps come in quite fast, actually, to be fair. Because from the start, um, don't really have an answer. Because now you're telling everyone to measure themselves, to build a team that they have to be realistic. So in that, you cannot go and say, then you want every team to compete for the top four. Because they will tell you from the start, this is the funds we are working with, this is the quality we are working with, you've got to be realistic. So I think it's a trial and error um, uh, period. Uh, do, we, do we come in, you know, in the future, do we come in with certain criterias, you know, salary caps? Does that make sense? Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it does. Because if you're going to put something like that, it shouldn't be coming from just a cost perspective. It must always come from a technical perspective. Does that actually improve the league as a whole? Does that improve every team as a whole when we tighten those, those areas? So these are the things that I guess when you only go through next season, at the end of the season, do a symposium. Get opinions from, you know, experienced journalists like yourself from, from the media. And get, I mean, sometimes just accepting opinions is okay because then you, you, you will learn one or two. You don't have to, you know, implement everything. People understand that. But, you know, get, get, get 
inputs from major people who loves the sport, who wants to see this country football grow, and then come into 2024 with maybe guidelines that can improve the league based on real experience of 2023. Like you said, 2023, uh, a lot of unknown stepping into the dark, uh, a lot of trial and error. What would you tell the fans? Well, I think the fans will always be fans. I think that's the unique part of being a fan. You know, I, I if I'm a fan, I can always sit down and 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 slam Man City, Man United, Liverpool. I'm talking about foreign leagues, because I'm two million miles away and telling you know, the uh, the the coach is not really good enough, the management is not good enough. But there's no real accountability to what I'm saying. Actually, I'm trying to say from my heart. So that's a fan. So I guess our fans are the same. They always approach it from maybe from their hearts, emotional side. And it's not always practical. Sometimes some fans are pretty practical, especially when they're not judging their teams. <laughs> I have to say that. All of us have it. I'm the same. When I'm judging my team, I'm a bit more emotional. Practicality probably is there, but emotions are mixed with it. I think it's important that the communication, the education behind 2023 season needs to continue. It's a, it's, it's a work in progress. Keep telling the fans, it's a trial and error area. So if, you, if you're going to make error, you're telling them, hey, this is going to be an error. It's a trial of where we, okay, what do we want to do with this first and foremost? We want more matches, more minutes. Okay, we've ticked that box. So we know that's given now. So everyone kind of agrees. What are their debate? Nine foreigners, can the team scope? You know, good question. Because even I can tell you, we are here internally, KL City, are trying to put some numbers together. And we're trying to measure ourselves before we make any decision. So it's tough. Absolute realism in, 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 in what is going on. It's tough. It's not easy. But you've got to work progressively, thinking, how do you overcome these obstacles? Educate the fans. Um, it needs to be a progressive communication with the fans so that their expectations are managed. Okay. Uh, I think in the M League, the most grounded fans, I, I do believe it's KL fans, they understand every single KL fans I talk to. They, we know our strength. We, we don't have, we know what the team is capable of. Uh, if they do more than that, it's a bonus for us. We are happy for it. But KL fans, maybe the, the education part, the background part, uh, helps them, helps the team as well. Yeah. Uh, more understanding, closer relationship. Uh, but do you see that there's this shift. Uh, the M League is changing format after, I think, 13, 14 years, 18 teams. So there is a shift, a proper shift, a proper restructuring. Uh, we have always talked about clubs, management, players, but football is an ecosystem. It's, it's uh, from MFL, the league organizers, FAM, the national body, and government, the sports ministry, the public, corporate sector. It's, it's, when we look at Japan, when they launched the J-League, it was discussed in their parliament and it was a, col, col, uh, how to say, it was a, everyone collaborated to, to be what product they have now, going to the qualifiers, uh, started with trying to qualify for the World Cup. Now they're consistently playing in the World Cup. So um, you've been a player, you've been a fan, uh, you have been in the industry from, from the, the ground to the level you are now, administrator, football administrator, how much our country is lacking in terms of being a collaborated effort, an uh, 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 effort that everyone needs to push forward to make our football? I, I, I like to choose my word carefully here instead of saying um, that maybe we are behind or lacking or whatever. I 
I've thought about this. I've always obviously think thought about it. Why did Japan get it right? Four years after their professional introduction, you're spot on. In 1998, they produced a team with Hiroto Shinakata, and they've never gone wrong since then. So they had a collective effort until the parliament level, where you go, you get local, large companies getting proper tax rebate approved at parliament to pick up a team. And today, what you get is you get Kawasaki Frontale. You know, you get the major companies in the world picking up a football team, and they're tied up with their name. That cannot happen. These are businessmen. These are corporate people. That cannot happen. If the parliament doesn't get involved, to give them some sort of exemption that benefits their businesses, but also it's a livelihood, because you know Kawasaki in their area probably have about thirty, forty thousand people working for Kawasaki. They start to wear the jersey, it becomes part because it's what puts the food on the table. So if you see how that entire thing is built, it is deep rooted. To their kids, to their families, to the setup of the the union of the family, of course they're going to support the club. The club loses, they feel sad. The club wins, they're part. They're going to spend money on that club because it's such a deep um, understanding of how the club is run. I would I would like to choose the word that we 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 are twenty years kind of uh, pending of what we are supposed to do. Maybe we started earlier. There's a lot of stories in the 80s when they came to visit us and stuff. I think we've been pending. On 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 certain areas because we've always allowed, um, you know, various kind of people to come into football, just because they've got power, they've got money, um, but do they really have the understanding that what it takes to keep a club in perpetuity, in a long term view, not a short term view. We've seen short term view, cash injection, win Malaysia Cup, and next season club is in third division, second division, has happened to Kuala Lumpur itself. Um, I've been a part of this club since I was 12 years old, so I've seen all kinds of, um, you know, um, scenarios that have come in. But if 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 we were to start pressing that button now, to 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 press the play button, it was on pause for 20 years. That's why I chose my word carefully. It's on pause. We are stagnant. But what has happened this year is quite special. We've qualified for the Asian Cup. We've Um, the clubs who've competed, JDT, well done on on the highest, most elite level. They've qualified. Um, Kedah, well done with whatever they've ch- changes. You know, uh, lower budgets this year, letting some star players go, but still punching above their weight this year. So well done to them. Kel has done the same. So for me, I think we've we we're pressing that play button now if we get it right to try and get a collective effort up to parliament. I do that. I try to do that every day. They, everyone has a role. Every politician has a role in in football. Football is for everyone, and we say everyone. We cannot just exclude someone because the 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 stigma is politicians. No, no, no. They have a role to play. The problem is the roles they've been allowed to play is probably the roles they shouldn't play, and that has beaten them. Bad advice. People having positions to allow them to come in because it benefits them. So for me, you 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 give them clear roles and responsibility. These guys. Uh, are politicians because they actually have worked their way to be there. It's not an easy task to to choose yourself. You got one life and you choose to be a politician to get you know abused to 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 serve the public. It's not easy. All of them will be in a space where, what can I do with this if I like the sport? If I'm not allowed to do decision making, so the, the clear roles and responsibility. And then when they start to see that that role is actually a role which they can play, then you collectively get certain things into parliament. 
get some bills approved for sports, get some major companies, force them into a space where if they do provide for clubs, GLC companies, just not associations, clubs, would they get some tax exemption? I'm just saying things that I haven't actually really gone through, but there's various things that I've seen that can actually benefit a corporate company by coming in just not from a sponsorship basis, but from a real, you know, belonging. They'll be part of the club for a long term, um, like Kawasaki Frontali or, or the many other clubs that I could say here. Okay, uh, maybe the uh, last one. Uh, uh, as a CEO, uh, you have seen a lot of change, things change in the M League. Maybe uh, looking forward to 2023, this, what's your expectation? Unknown. <laughs> it's an unknown area. Um, it's it's really scary to... Uh, I've, I've been working on it for the last few months since we ever were presented with the idea if it happens. Um, there's a lot of unknown areas on managing the 23s, on how do you set up a, a, a culture, a, a, a process that is seamless, an identity that is seamless so that they can move from 23s to the senior team. Um, you see, KL is a club that doesn't have KLC FC 2. So maybe for the clubs that has had the, 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 the feeder clubs, for them is a little bit more familiar because they've actually managed two professional clubs, obviously with an open age group, now with a little control on the under-23s. So for us, it's, it's a new testing ground. Uh, dealing with under-age groups 19 and 21, I've played for them, I've won the under-19 cup before. Uh, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's much controlled because you're playing with age group boys. means you can still you know, give certain guidelines. With senior players, with foreigners, are a little bit different. These are top players. You know, the way you manage a club uh, decides the results of it. So there's a lot of unknown areas. You know, what kind of injuries are we looking at? What kind of suspensions? What kind of uh, miscellaneous costs that might come in? You know? So these are the things that um, one like me uh, do not sleep at night trying to put together. So I, I look forward to it with a lot of uh, hope. I look forward to it with a lot of technical hope. But from a cosping perspective, I still believe the clubs themselves have the responsibility, but the stakeholders, absolutely crucial to get more money out, the more numbers, more matches, um, absolutely crucial for the clubs to keep having enough to be sustainable. Okay, that would be all from me, K. Rajan here. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Stanley. You've been very busy. You, you managed to make time for us. Uh, you've been working hard for KL. Keep working hard. Keep talking. Keep educating the fans. Like, like you mentioned, we need this open conversation where we, we, what the management of a team or club have to be communicating it to the fans, to the players. Uh, it's very positive to see, to have you here. Uh, thanks again for making the time to come and uh, talk to it, talk with us. Uh, thank you. Good luck, KL. Good luck for you as well for the next season. Thank you, Rajin, for having me. An absolute honor. Thank you.